The Gemara in Yuma tells us that Reish Lakish says that teshuva, repentance, is so great that it can take one person's intentional sins and turn them into inadvertent sins, turn them into accidental sins. And uh, then there's a second statement that the Gemara says that, no, Reish Lakish actually says that teshuva is so great that it can take a person's sins and turn them into merits. A person's intentional sins can be turned into merits. And uh, so the Gemara asks, which is it? And in its normal style, the Gemara tells us, uh, actually, it's both of them. Reish Lakish said the first statement in regards to someone who does teshuva me'ira, and he's the second statement in regards to someone who does teshuva me'ahava. Teshuva me'ira is a person who's motivated to do teshuva, to do to repent from a place of fear, and teshuva me'ahava is somebody who is motivated to repent from a place of love. Uh, understanding these two different um, ways of doing teshuva is important, as it will help us to think about which one of these two categories we'd like to put ourselves in, as well as the the result of either of these two shuvas, obviously, has a major, major difference in the long run. Let's uh, use an analogy over here to see if we can help us understand um, what each of these two categories are. Imagine for a moment that there is a man named, we'll call him Tony for today. Tony is walking down the street and he wants to buy his wife a diamond necklace for the 25th wedding anniversary. Unfortunately for Tony is that he lost his job a couple weeks ago, and he doesn't really have any money. As he's walking through the jewelry store, he notices that the clerk was carrying a bag of diamond necklaces, and he trips, and um, the necklaces go all over the floor. And he grabs and picks them all up, and the clerk goes on his way. And he notices that the clerk missed one necklace. There's a diamond necklace sitting there on the floor that the clerk just didn't notice, and he has a couple of options in front of him. Tony could either grab the necklace and run. He could walk away. Or he could pick up the necklace and return it to the clerk. Now, depending whether or not Tony is more inclined of being the Chuva Meira guy or the Chuva Meava guy would have an impact on his decision. Let's first take the Chuva Meira guy. If that's the kind of guy that Tony is, so then what happens is that Tony basically will choose either A or B, one of the first two options. And he may choose to walk away because he's afraid that he's going to get caught. That might make a lot of sense. He's going to choose option B. He's going to walk away. He doesn't want to get caught. He's afraid he's going to get embarrassed. He's afraid that uh, the police will have to come knocking at his, at his house, and uh, the whole thing would be a, a horrible, a horrible situation. But he could also end up choosing option A because if he calculates that he could get away with this, he could grab the necklace and nobody would know. The camera is not necessarily facing in that direction, and he can make a run for it. And nobody could actually tell it's him because everybody's wearing masks nowadays anyway. So they, they wouldn't be able to identify him. So maybe Tony could grab the necklace, rewrap it, and give it to his wife, and she'll be so happy that he has that uh, he has given her this beautiful diamond necklace for their wedding anniversary. But Shuva Me'ava guy, if that's what it's Tony, then there's only the other two options that would be available. He could walk away because he sees the diamond necklace on the floor. He would never want to do something that would cause a loss to the owner. He's not going to steal that necklace, Right? That would cause a loss to the owner. The owner paid money for it, and he's trying to sell it, and he wouldn't want to do anything to, to cause a loss to the owner. But he could also choose the third option, option C. And he may decide that he's going to pick it up and return it to the clerk. Why would he do that? Because not only does he not want to cause any harm to the owner, but he doesn't want anybody else to cause harm to the owner. He doesn't want there to be a loss at all to the owner. He cares so much about the owner that he wants he wants that owner to uh, he wants the owner to be fully intact. 
And he wants to be actually be able to build a relationship with the owner, perhaps. Right? The owner is his friend. He doesn't want any harm to come to him. So we see, if we look at Shuva in these two different lights, we see that there, there's really two different kinds of people. The first kind of person is someone who just is scared about the consequence, but he doesn't actually care about the action. Meaning, he would do the behavior as long as he doesn't get caught or as long as he doesn't have to pay the price. He's afraid of pain. He's afraid of pain. That's it. The second guy cares about the relationship he has with the creator of the world. It's not a matter, it's not about fearing punishment. It's about he wants to be as close to Hashem as he possibly can be. He wants to have a barrier-free relationship with Hashem. That kind of person, right? That tshuva, what does that do for him? Very, very different than the first guy. The first guy goes into Rosh Hashanah and he does tshuva and he repents and he cries that his, that his, that his slate should be cleared, that his sin should be forgiven. And Hashem responds to him, if he is sincere, and he wipes the slate clean, and he starts off the year at years at point zero. But the second guy, he starts out ahead of the game. He turns all of his sins into merits, into good deeds. He now has an advocate. He has a credit line that he starts the year with. And that's because what he's really looking for is a barrier-free relationship with Hashem. He wants to be as close to Hashem as he possibly can be. And so he's the kind of guy who would pick up the necklace and give it back to the clerk because he wants to earn favor in the eyes of the owner. He wants to be as close to Hashem as he possibly can be. I can't help but think by the fact that this Rosh Hashanah, we're going to be standing six feet apart from each other wearing our masks. And, uh, and we know all too well that many, many relationships have been strained throughout the last six months with this COVID situation going on. And I wonder if this is just... Just a way for us to think about the relationship that we have with Hashem is that we stand there and our relationships sometimes are, are strained. And we have these masks of, of sins that basically created this space between us and Hashem. And Hashem says, I want to be close to you, but, but, you, but you're wearing this mask. You're wearing this sin that you're carrying along with you. right? You carry it around with you. We have a distance relationship. And Hashem just wants us to be close to Him. Right, And I wonder if we could use this pandemic to kind of think about how can we enter into Rosh Hashanah from a tshuva me'ava of just wanting to be as close to Hashem as we possibly can. right? To just want to have a mask-free relationship with Hashem. To be able to stand in shul next to our, next to our, our family and friends. right? To be able to pour our hearts out when we, when we sing to Hashem on Rosh Hashanah. May Hashem send the Mashiach speedily in our days so that we welcome him and greet him and see the full, full extent of Hashem's greatness in Yerushalayim. Have a Shabbat Shalom, a good Shabbos, a Shana Tova, and a Tisku Lishan Rabot.